Season Saviors is sponsored by DHS Press for all the news Titans need to know. Make sure you check out articles like Titans Travel to France by Michael Godek and Fantasy Football Talk by me. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Hello and welcome to another episode of Season Savior, Season 2, Episode 5. I'm Ian Whitfield. Actually not joined here by Shane Riley, which is obviously a different opening than we're accustomed to as Shane is down with a sickness, but that does not stop us from giving you all the news for fantasy football that you are going to need in order to be successful. Let's jump right in with our standouts from this past week. Obviously, Stefan Diggs is one of the big name players that had a absolutely massive week. He put up 43.5 fantasy points on seven receptions for 163 yards and two touchdowns. Stephon Diggs is a good wide receiver, I still think, or obviously he's a good wide receiver, but in a good fantasy wide receiver. For me, he's a low-end wide receiver too still, even though people see a lot of upside here with the 43.5 fantasy points. It's, that's the most, like, obviously that's a great ceiling to have, but he's never, he's not going to see that again for the rest of the year, and even with the increased volume and people think, oh, like his verbal expression outwards towards the team and talking about how he hates his usage and how he's getting more and more looks now, I don't know how really trustworthy that is. I mean, with Adam Thielen still there and um, Dalvin Cook, the volume is just, it's just not really going Stefan Diggs' way. Obviously, this is his first real successful game of the year. And even with a super favorable matchup coming up against the Lions, Skins, and Chiefs and a few more, it's just... It's really not that promising. I mean, he only had 7.4 uh, points against the Giants, who is one of the worst, uh, one of the best matchups for a, for a wide receiver uh, in terms of fantasy points. So for me, Stefan Diggs is still not a sure piece. And whenever Thielen is in the lineup, it's just, it's one or, two, one or the other. Like they never have games where they're both putting up 15. It's either one's putting up 25 and the other's putting up like seven, or one's putting up. 18 and the other's putting up like nine like it's it's not even at all so for me Stefan Diggs is still a low-end wide receiver too and really some is a guy that you can sell high on right now and I would try to trade him away and get some extreme value from him as people will be really thinking he's turned it on but for me definitely a guy you could trade for a for a either a haul or a little bit of a maybe a piece that you need if you have some other capable wide receivers but heading into our second guy now <clears throat> Terry McLaurin, 26 fantasy points on four catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns against the Miami Dolphins. I really don't know why we're still talking about Terry McLaurin in this category, really, but it's he was only started in 32.3% of fantasy leagues. I don't know why that number is so low. I don't know why people are afraid of him. This kid is the real deal. He is coming in out, out of Ohio State and turning heads kind of like Michael Thomas was doing. Scary Terry, as they call him in uh, D.C. area over here, he's averaging 18.8 PPR fantasy points per game, which is third all-time in a minimum five games played for all rookie wide receivers. Not to mention that is with a game 
injured as well. So those stats still count. So he's still putting up 18.8 fantasy points per game. He's the only viable offensive option besides possibly Chris Thompson. So in the the Redskins are constantly going to be losing. They're going to give Terry the ball. And the cap- the quarterback situation with Case Keenum is and or and I guess Dwayne Haskins or Colt McCoy or whoever's playing quarterback in Washington because it's always up in the air is still good enough, especially with Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins. It's good enough that McLaurin's going to get looks. And the kid's ceiling every single week is insane as he has potential to put up be the only like offensive weapon in Washington. So they're going to turn to him often. So McLaurin, for me, is a high, uh, mid, we'll go mid-tier wide receiver too, and definitely someone who week in and week out has the potential to be a top 15 fantasy play every single week, So or top 10 fantasy play every single week. So for me, I'm very high on Terry McLaurin. And lastly, Curtis Samuel, who... Had a big game against the Bucks. Had 23.8 fantasy points on 470 and one. So, for me, Curtis Samuel is not a guy that I'm trusting. Um, like I talked about last week, and how bad the Bucks' uh, defense is, or how bad their secondary is. In uh, rather, they just they give up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers per game, and the Panthers exploited that. Both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel had big games, and Samuel, for me, has some flex appeal, but he's still behind DJ Moore. He didn't. He was behind DJ Moore in targets, and he, there's still Greg Olson in the mix, too, for looks, not to mention Christian McCaffrey, who also steals a bunch of targets and gets, obviously, the most workload in the offense. But for me, he has flex appeal in deep leagues. He's just too boom or bust for me. They use him as a speedster, almost like a Deshaun Jackson or a Robbie Anderson type of guy, and... I'm just not really that sold on him. I think if they can get some more volume to him, which I don't th- see is very likely with more Greg Olson and McCaffrey all getting looks also, we can maybe revisit Curtis Samuel as a viable fantasy option, but I would not look too much into the 24-point uh, performance by Samuel as teams really just kind of stack up in the passing game against the Buccaneers. So let's see what he's able to do against a actual not the worst passing defense or the w- most generous defense to wide receivers in the NFL. Then we can revisit. Uh, heading into our bus now, Joe Mixon, uh, running back Cincinnati Bengals. I feel really bad for Joe Mixon. I think he is a extremely talented running back, and unfortunately for him, he's stuck behind one of, if not the worst, and I think the worst offensive line in football, especially with all the injuries they're getting to their starters who, in the first place, weren't even that good. So with this said, he's, still, he's being... He's still getting over 10 carries a game, getting like two to three catches, which is good, which is decent volume, but he's been held to 1.7 yards per carry or less in half of his games this year. Like, that's just not, that can't do it. He's been held under six fantasy points in half his games as well, and he's only broken the 12-point barrier once this year. You can't start Joe Mixon with those kind of numbers. As badly as you might like the volume, which in fantasy is really what you look for is just volume. Joe Mixon is just not a fl- a capable running back and until he proves otherwise, you can't start him and maybe at the at the best case scenario, you consider him for a flex you consider him for a flex play. But that's only in some deeper leagues or you might have some guys on buys or uh, some injuries and you need to get someone in the mix. But for now, Joe Mixon, you can't trust him and I've started him now for the past 2 weeks. 
And even though he had a decent game against Arizona, where he that was actually the one game where he put up over 12 points, they don't really have that many favorable matchups coming up for on his schedule. So for me, Joe Mixon, I don't trust in my starting lineup. Heading into our second bust now, Juju Smith-Schuster. He fell victim to a very he- heavy rush offense this week uh, as the Steelers just ran right over the Los Angeles Chargers as they were up early and they were up the whole time. And Juju is dealing with a third-string quarterback right now. And even with Mason Rudolph still coming back, he has not really been successful. He's only been held to three catches or he's been held to three catches or less in 50% of his games and is outside the top 25 wide receivers right now. And you might be thinking, like, oh, I mean, he's still a capable wide receiver. Like, why are we really talking about him that much? He was drafted in the average draft position of 10 to 15 range. And he's putting up outside the top 25 wide receiver numbers, which he was predicted to be a top five to seven fantasy wide receiver this year. So he has a super appealing buy low. If you are looking at um, possibly trading for him, you could definitely get rid of a some, not a bench player, but maybe a weaker wide receiver with a, with a decent bench player and maybe package it in for Juju. Who's been struggling this year, but Juju is still a wide receiver one in a offense where Mason Rudolph's a competent quarterback. He's not great. He's not Ben Roethlisberger, but he's good enough. And I think Juju's still a mid-tier wide receiver too. Even with the issues as one of the things I was worried about with Juju this year would be how he works against cornerback ones. And it really has not worked out that well for him so far. But I think with a easier, with a very easy, actually very easy might be an understatement, an extremely easy schedule coming up for wide receivers over the next few weeks and actually to finish out the season minus two kind of tough matchups for me I think Juju is a super appealing by low and I'm still trusting Juju in my team for now and with the super easy matchups coming up I have some promise in him hello this is Shane Riley a co-host of season saviors this podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center and no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Lastly, Keenan Allen. I am, uh, it's hard because Keenan Allen was the number one fantasy wide receiver for three weeks. He's now had three bad weeks in in a row where he's been held under double digits and now he is the eighth ranked fantasy wide receiver. But or sorry, six ranked fantasy wide receiver, but he's not getting a lot of total yards with his targets. He he's mainly getting thrown in like the mid range level or really just like under screens or something like that. They're not really using him in uh, pass like passing totals over really like twenty yards or anything. He hasn't broken a hundred yards in uh, three games, and he. But the promise, the only promise that I still see with Keenan Allen right now in the struggling Chargers team is that he's still getting targets. He had six targets in week six, which is not it's not good. But the fact that that's his low point is six targets is still promising, even though he only was able to haul in two of those. It, it's still promising. It's, it's in PPR, obviously. If you're not in PPR, Keenan Allen, you're having you might have some question marks around him. But in PPR, Keenan Allen with all these targets and he's still getting decent like. 50, 60 yards in the past three games or something like that. You can start him with the confidence that he's going to put up wide receiver two numbers. But for now, for me, I'm not really freaked out about Keenan Allen. He's still a, wide, a low-end wide receiver one for me at the moment. But if the struggles continue, we'll definitely revisit it. But for now, I'm not 
panicked at all about Keenan Allen as he is still an absolutely elite wide receiver. Now heading into our must-starts for the week, Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Even though turnovers have been an issue for Josh, he's only had one game this year where he's posted less than 16 fantasy points. So the consistency's there. He adds huge fantasy appeal with his legs, and this week they're coming off a bye to play the Miami Dolphins. It all is lining up perfectly for Josh Allen this week. Um, the Dolphins have allowed the second most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And the last time a mobile quarterback played Miami, Lamar Jackson put up 33.6 fantasy points per or in that game in week one. So give me some Josh Allen this week and give me I'm all in on the bills this week as it is the Miami Dolphins. So I don't know why you wouldn't be that uh, Cole Beasley or a John Brown or Devin Singletary, Frank Gore, even Dev or uh, Knox by any chance if you really want to are all viable streams this week if you have them. Secondly, I think this might be my favorite play of the entire week. Michael Gallup. The Eagles secondary is just horrendous, just terrible. Straight up bad. No other way to say it. They are allowing 46.6 fantasy points per game, second highest in the NFL behind the Bucks, to opposing wide receivers. And op- wide receivers also have allowed have the most touchdowns against them than any other team as they have 11 on the year. Gallup is not the wide receiver one, as everyone knows, under Amari Cooper, but he's still putting up 17.1 fantasy points per game, which is, those are wide receiver one numbers right there. Last week, the wide receiver two for Minnesota, Stephon Diggs, if we recall earlier in the show, put up 43.5 fantasy points as the wide receiver two, obviously behind Adam Thielen. So he was working on the Eagles cornerback two the entire time. Michael Gallup, now finds himself in the same spot and has had so much more success than year this year than Stefan Diggs. I'm not saying Michael Gallup is going to put up 45 points guaranteed, but there's a chance Michael Gallup sees something in the range of north of 30 and maybe even break the 40-point barrier in a extremely favorable matchup this week as the secondary for the Eagles is just terrible. So I'm all in on Gallup, who has the potential to definitely be a top 10 play this week. Lastly, my last start is actually Jordan Atkins, tight end for the Houston Texans. This is a weird one. I never thought I would really talk about Jordan Atkins in my show or in our show, but here we are. Atkins really found himself in an increased role this year with the Texans. He's not really a true viable starter yet, so I'm not saying pick pick this guy up and start him every single week. But this week, I think he's a really really good streaming option. He's averaging 7.4 fantasy points per game and is currently tight end 15 uh, in fantasy football, which is Obviously, in a deep league, like like a borderline starter, but for now, I think listen listen to this. They play the Colts, who have been nothing but tight end friendly. They the Colts have allowed sixteen point seven fantasy points per game to tight ends, third highest in the league, and have allowed the eighth most receptions to tight ends as the position as at well as well. And they already had their buy, so that number would probably be around the top five in the league in receptions allowed, also. So Jordan Atkins has a super favorable matchup. Deshaun Watson has trust as he does get targets. He had a four last week, four targets last week. Atkins' ceiling this week is high, and he could repeat a performance like he had in week three against the Chargers where he put up 22.3 points. So Jordan Atkins has a potential to just go off this week. And if you have a, a tight end on a bye or – you're dealing with some injuries in the tight end position and you have Atkins available in your league or you have him as your backup or something like that, I'd start him with confidence and definitely a viable option. Uh, Heading into our uh, do not starts now, Chris Thompson running back for the Washington Redskins. 
He's coming off an injury that he um, had in week six. It's nothing major, but it's a small injury, so he still has that to think about. But they face a 49ers defense that has just been absolutely locked down. Thompson mainly finds himself in the heavy usage in the passing game, but that might not save his production this week, as even though he doesn't rush the ball, the 49ers have allowed the second lowest fantasy points per game to opposing running backs and a league-low 18 receptions to running backs and have not allowed a single touchdown to them as well. So Thompson... None of those stats are appealing. Thompson, if we go by those numbers, most likely will not find the end zone. I'd put money on the fact he doesn't find the end zone. I don't say his reception number is probably going to be held to about three, as that's what they're giving up on average per game. And lastly, he's not really rushing the ball, so there's not really any extra volume for him on the ground as Adrian Peterson is getting majority of the carries, even though Chris Thompson will occasionally fi- uh, rack up about four carries, even though... They're losing all the time, so they're not really running the ball. Chris Thompson, for me, just none of that is appealing at all whatsoever, and you just cannot start him with confidence this week. Uh, Heading into our second do-not-start of the week, DJ Chark, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You might think to yourself, why? It's the Bengals. Like They're 0-6. They're not good. You're right. (laughs) They aren't good, but they're so bad. The teams are going up so much so early, and they're just running out the clock. The Bengals have the worst defense in the league in terms of um, rushing points per game. They've allowed t- second or tied for the most fantasy or touchdowns allowed to running backs with nine on the year. Why is this important? Teams know these stats. It's not like us fantasy players are just like, oh, like now we know something like this team has a bad rush defense, so they're only rushing. Like Teams know they have a bad rush defense. They're going to form their game plan to rush against the Bengals. They're not really passing. That's the issue. It's not that the Bengals have a super good pass defense. It's it's about mediocre. It's probably average at best. But teams are just running so much, just wide receivers aren't getting volume. The Bengals have actually allowed the lowest amount of fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. Yes, you heard that stat correctly. Lower than Buffalo, lower than San Fran, lower than New England it's a very unfavorable matchup for DJ Chark. And Gardner Minshew's had his struggles now in the past two weeks. I don't know why Leonard Fournette would not just be getting the ball almost every single play this week. So, I mean, obviously Leonard Fournette finds himself in an extremely uh, great spot. But DJ Chark, I think he's going to have his struggles this week. And lastly, Tennessee Titan wide receivers. It It's hard for me to pick one. Because Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, and A.J. Brown are nearly impossible to try to distinguish a number one from, even though most people would say it's Corey Davis at the moment, just because that's who it was last year and and as he's one of their high draft picks. But with that said, Marcus Mariota is seriously struggling. He got benched last week. Their take on a Chargers team who have allowed the second-fewest fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. And with the quarterback struggles, along with a very unfavorable matchup, I just don't see how either of these guys with the shared target total and none of them really standing out are viable fantasy options, even though one of them, two of them are top 40 uh, wide receivers at the moment, and the other one is Adam Humphreys, who is just a almost like a knockoff Cole Beasley, if you like, a, a, a target guy who's just not that good at the moment. So heading into our waiver wire pickups, Alden Tate, wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tate has really shined with injuries to A.J. Green and John Ross. He's gone north of 10 fantasy points since filling the role and is getting a great target share in one of the most past-happy offenses in the league. He's currently only owned in 21.4% of ESPN leagues. 
And if you, with buys obviously still picking up or some injuries that are on your roster, if you're struggling with maybe a Joe Mixon in your flex or something and you need to fix it up, out in Tate is a great option. And I have him on my team and he's been great so far as he's put up double digits in both his games since stepping in. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Secondly, one of a really appealing player who has a, has a really interesting storyline, and I'm really interested to see how he's going to end up turning out over the next few weeks, is Chase Edmonds, running back for the Arizona Cardinals, only owned in 22.6% of ESPN leagues. He's now put up 17.6 points and 14.7 points in back-to-back weeks while working alongside David Johnson. That's alongside the workhorse himself, David Johnson. So that shows great promise. He has 24 touches over his past three games, which is also great. It's scary to think what could happen if Johnson gets sidelined with this back issue that he's been having. If that happens, Chase Edmond is a running back one, honestly. And until then, you could start him in the maybe as a flex option for now until he shows that he's not a viable option. But with that low ownership, why not give him a, give him a waiver wire, like a uh, flyer? Just give him a chance. You can't hurt. It can't hurt. The kid has got potential. So for me, especially if David Johnson goes down, you're looking at a running back one for at least that uh, extended time that he goes down. Lastly, Demarius Thomas, wide receiver for the New York Jets. Sam Darnold's return has brought life to the New York Jets as they beat the Cowboys this week, who isn't an easy matchup, but it's also not an extremely hard one, but the Jets are terrible, so it's really impressive what Sam Darnold was able to do there. Thomas recorded 10.2 fantasy points in his first game with the sophomore quarterback and will, for most of the season, be working against opposing cornerback threes, which is super appealing as Demarius Thomas is not a bad wide receiver at all he's a viable stash in middle or deep leagues and he's only owned in 3.5 percent of ESPN leagues so he's not a deep threat kind of guy but he gets uh, looks in the red zone and he gets targets so for me Demarius Thomas is a viable um, flyer if you are unable to get out in Tate um, off the waiver or another top end fantasy option so that's all for our show today make sure to check out DHS press for all the news that Titans need to know thank you Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487.